Welcome to Dreaming Back to the Earth, a podcast dedicated to exploring the concept that our dreams and their wisdom are a path to our soul-rooted relationship to self and earth. During these podcasts, we share our unique experiences, perspectives, and practices that foster an understanding of how each dream speaks to awakening and guiding us on a personal and ecological level. My name is Mary Kay Casper, and I co-host with Katrina Dreamer. Hi, Katrina. Hi, Mary Kay. It's good to be here with you. So today's episode, um, we're going to talk about ancestor dreams. And maybe how we can start off is by defining for each of us what, what we mean by ancestors and the dreaming time. Would you like to start off, Katrina? Sure. Uh, ancestors for me are, of course, blood ancestors. Uh, and I have done work to connect with my ancestors uh, in a number of different places like Norway, Sweden, Germany. Well, I haven't been to Germany, uh, England, Scotland, places that, um, yeah, where my people come from. But also I like to think about ancestors as one, people in our past that we're not connected with anymore. And two, anybody who shares a common culture. So like I think about queer ancestors, I think about trans ancestors, I think about uh, other people who have practiced paganism, druidism, all of those people are part of my ancestry. And another interesting thing that I just thought of when I was talking to Mary Kay before we started recording is that I like to think about people in my past who have been a real support for me. So uh, for instance, past therapists, to have them be present in a space when I'm calling, calling the ancestors, uh, asking for support uh, can feel really beneficial. And I think for me, especially in my own practice, it makes sense to me to have a mixture of kind of these like nebulous ancestors from bloodlines back, 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 but also people that I can call up their faces and I can see them. And I also have a meditation space that I go to that has animals and trees and plants that are ancestors as well. So yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I look at it in a, in a pretty broad sense. Oh, and I can't forget my past cats that I've had in my life are always, <laughs> I always call them as well. What about you, Mary Kay? Well, everything that you've just mentioned, I also um, believe about what um, an ancestor can be. And, you know, especially when I think about the landscape around me and all the beings that exist, both in this life and in other lives that I've um, led, I really do believe that, you know, animals and, and, and like you in particular, my cats um, will come back to me and in, in dreams. And I also think that, that in terms of a connection or a lineage that um, other beings that are connected to my blood ancestors that are, I feel are connected to me too. And so there's a carrying down from generation to generation of particular aspects of life, um, particular aspects of the landscape or um, other beings that, that my great, great, great grandfather was connected to that I feel like is an ancestor to me too. Um, I have, yeah, blood ancestors that were really connected to the land and forest strangers and healers and such. And so, you know, like my great, great grandmother was a 
herbalist. And so I feel like the plants that she was connected to that, that she brought to people that are healing are, are connected to me as an ancestor too. So, you know, there's so many ways to really imagine what ancestors can be in our lives and how they can show up, show up in our dreams. I really believe that that's true. And I really love having us talk about this area of dreaming because this is the time of the year when we're moving into a space where the veils are open and the possibility of connecting to the ancestors is so potent. I was just in the, um, up in the mount, um, in a park area, a mountainous park area today. And I noticed that the air felt different. It was getting cooler and the darkness was coming earlier and the forest seemed really mysterious and magical. And I really feel that way this time of year. And I believe that it really connects to my dreaming too. My dreaming becomes, or my remembering of my dreams becomes even more potent. So I'm really excited that we're talking about this right now. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's me. A couple of things that you said really sparked some something, some memories in me that I want to share. So going back to what you said about how the land that your ancestors was connected to, you're also connected to. And I had a visceral experience of this two times in places that I had not been before, but I knew that my ancestors had been. So the first was when I visited Norway which, you know, I had never been there before. The Norwegian line is on my paternal grandmother's side. And I was flying in a plane and looked down and it, it was this like, <laughs> this coming home feeling, which was so strange when going to a foreign country that I had not personally set foot on, but it and I don't think that I even knew the word epigenetics at the time, but it just made me think about how, you know, yes, like through the DNA, that memory is passed down. And I felt so comfortable, so at peace there. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> and I have been back a second time and again, didn't want to leave. Like it just felt like I belonged there. And another experience that I had was when I lived in Vermont, I found out that great grandparents several times back had farmed in Vermont and are buried at a cemetery uh, in Vermont. And why am I blanking on the, I'm having such trouble with words right now. So I'm blanking on the town but I'll think of it hopefully before, <laughs> before we're done. But I went there and again, the landscape looked familiar to me and I could not understand it in any other way, except that here were these ancestors that had lived there. And like you're saying, had a real connection to the land because they were farmers. So they were on that land, they were working the land, they were paying attention to the weather, like they were really connected in to that place. Um, so yeah, I, I would go at this time of year and put marigolds at their graves. I'm sad that I can't do it this year because <laughs> that was kind of a tradition for a while. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I just wanted to share those experiences as you talked about being connected to a place, a landscape that, you know, we may not have been to, but our ancestors were. All right. I love it. What, I love what you're saying because um, you, you also triggered in me uh, this notion that I have always felt um, a connection to the desert. And I have often 
loved going out to New Mexico and I go out there to do rite of passage work. And, you know, I, I don't stay for a long time, but I, I'm always feeling called to go out there. Um, and when I'm out there, I just feel again, like it's this mystical, magical land that I'm going to that, that, that feels some kind of connection. I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't want to live out in the desert now. Um, I like being in Vermont and, and the snow and, and this form here in the, in the mountains and the woods. But, you know, I haven't been able to go out to the desert since COVID hit. And, you know, it, it's somehow it's rege it regenerates me when I take a vacation and go out there. Um, and it's powerful land because, I mean, there's fires that happen out there and just... Uh, that experience of birth and death is just constant with the energy of fire. And, um, and so there's something about that for me. Um, yeah. So how does it show up for you in your dreams or, or how does um, like when you are in places like that seem to connect you to an ancestor, do, how is that somehow manifested in your dreams too? I'm curious. Wow, I have two different answers for that. So, and I just looked up on my phone because I want to say the name of the place. It was Starksboro, Starksboro, Vermont is where my ancestors are buried. So, um, my journey with dream work and ancestry really took off when I started my master's program in consciousness studies at JFK in California. And I started it in October, 2007. And my teacher had to start a dream journal. So I had been, you know, faithfully writing down my dreams for the first time. I had had many dreams over my life and I was very interested in understanding them more, but I had not had a dream journal before then. And it was coming up on Samhain, Halloween, and my teacher planned a uh, dream theater exercise for that class, and the class was on Halloween. So I woke up the morning of Halloween with this incredible dream that then I went to class, we all put our names in a hat and my name got pulled to do the dream theater with this dream that I brought. And it, I think it was like the most powerful dream work experience that I've had. It was the first one. It's still, I, I, nothing has really come close to it. Uh, and I'll share a little bit of what the dream was. So in the dream, I was an orphan. I am not an orphan um, in waking although sometimes I feel that way. And I was with my adopted mom and I was drawing symbols on my hand. One of the symbols was the eye of Horus. And I, a storm was raging outside. And somehow when I looked at the eye of Horus on my hand, I was suddenly transported kind of like to a a dream within the dream, or maybe a, a memory, it's unclear, but I was standing in front of a woman who was a traveler and we were at kind of a market. She was standing with a very large white horse and she was someone who she was psychic. So she was, you know, selling her ability is to tell people's fortunes and things like that. And so I was like, just standing in front of this woman in awe, like, oh my gosh, I want to be like this person. <clears throat> and she looked at me and said, oh, you have the gift. And then somehow she got into my mind <laughs> in the dream and showed me the globe and showed me a red line starting in 
Sweden, Finland, Norway, and going straight down all the way into Africa. And then I was no longer with her. I was back in the house with my adopted mom and this big storm was raging. And then I woke up. So, <clears throat> you know, working, working that dream, the, the way that dream theater works is that as many people as you have to do the work, they can each be an aspect of the dream. Someone was the horse, someone was the traveler, someone was me, someone was the room, someone was the storm, right? And I went up to each person and they just said whatever came to their mind. And I wrote it all down. I mean, it was just, I knew after that class that it had been not only like a big dream, like Jung talks about an archetypal dream, but also an ancestral dream. And the other day, just recently, I was telling someone else about this dream and we were also talking about astrocartography. Was it you, Mary Kay? Maybe it was you that I was telling when we were planning this, but I think I've also was, have been talking about it with other people. So astrocartography maps out the path of the planets, the paths of the planets onto the globe at the time you were born. And my friend suggested, who I was talking to about this dream, is there a line that matches up to the line that the traveler in the dream was showing you? So I pulled out my astrocartography map, and sure enough, there is a line that goes in the exact spot that the dream was talking about. And to tell you what line that is, like what planet, I can't remember right in this minute, but I mean, so yeah, ancestors <laughs> definitely communicate with us in dreams. And one of my mentors in that program at JFK in an ancestry class that I was taking at the same time, told us that we could, before we went to sleep, ask the ancestors if they had anything that they wanted to tell us. And of course, you can have some real boundaries around that because sometimes the ancestors really want to talk to you. And so you want to be careful about, you know, what boundaries you're setting around that. But I did that. And that was part of why that dream came. So, you know, no one could ever convince me differently that we have communication with and messages from ancestors in our dreams. And I've already talked a lot right now. So I do have a story I could share about being on the land and then how that affects your dreams. But I want to hear from you first about you know, your connection with dreaming and ancestry. Well, and I also, I mean, listening to that, you know, what you shared, and I appreciate you sharing that, and all the layers and elements to that dream are amazing. I mean, it, and it, what's curious to me is how that dream has affected your life in general, you know. Um, I would love to hear it at some point how that, how that has affected you. Um, it, and for me, ancestors coming in my dreams, um, I can think of, and I also believe that an ancestor is someone that has passed, even if, if that passing has happened recently. So, um, so I'll share that my, my youngest sister died. Um, it'll be going on four years ago, um, in May and, we had a pretty close relationship and towards the end, there was a, a lot of energy and emotions around her life and my life and trying to connect. And so when she died, I had, I wasn't there. Um, it was a tragic accident and um, I felt a lot of regret. And because things were so hard at, in the last few years of her life, um, I didn't always know if we were okay. 
or if she was, I mean, we spent a lot of time together. I, I mean, I know that we enjoyed each other's company, but there was an kind of a underlying um, issue that was happening for her that affect how we communicated with each other. And, and so I felt, you know, did she know that I loved her? You know, did she love me? Um, was our relationship okay? And those were, you know, thoughts that I had a lot um, after she died. And I spent a lot of time in that place of exploring that regret. And I was actually the one that my parents, um, you, I was very helpful in getting things together for my sister and um, in terms of her house and spending a lot of time with her home and her animals and trying to find new homes for them. Um, and then I, and so, and I did ask for dreams, um, dreams to connect with her. Um, and I ended up um, one night I did have a dream where she came in the dream and she came up behind me and she put her arms around me and said, don't you know, I love you. And it was like, I mean, in the dream, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I needed that. You know, I needed to know. And since that time, I have had dreams where I've told her, I love her, you know, and, um, that, and she's told me everything's okay now. And for me, she's an ancestor. She comes, she's a member of my, what I call my grove when I go, when I do journeying. journeying. Um, she came to me as a guide and um, she's a, an incredibly brilliant, smart person and has a lot to offer. So I think I'll listen to her. Um, but, uh, and she was, she was a theologian. I'm sure she still is wherever she is um, telling people what to do and how to do it and how to believe in life and the goodness of it. Um, so yeah, for me that, and it was such a powerful, it let me re relax into letting go, you know? Um, yeah, there's still some, a few regrets, but um, I know that she loved me and she knows that I loved her. And so for me, that was a really powerful ancestor dream that can, and I've dreamt about my, my great, great ancestors um, and um, on both sides of the family. And that's been powerful. And like I said before, I, I dream a lot about my cats and they come to me in, in different ways um, to be with me. I love cats. So they come back to talk to me and, and to be with me and nurture me. So, so yeah, that's, that's my ancestor dreams right now anyway. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I, I think I recall that when we did our episode about pandemic dreams that you shared Becky coming and uh, your sister, and I had shared that my grandma on my dad's side that had passed away, it came. Um, and I've had many dreams of interacting with, petting, cuddling with cats from my life to where, you know, you wake up and you really think that they're in the bed with you. You know, it's like that visceral. To answer your question about the ancestor dream, I mean, it did change my life. I, you know, from having that experience of the dream theater, that made me want to do dream work. That was the, that was the hook. I was, that was it. <laughs> like it had me. And also I had been talking to my therapist at the time about some very strange non-dual transpersonal experiences I was having that no one could explain to me. And she suggested that I, well, first she suggested that I go to JFK, funny enough. And then she suggested that I try to find someone to teach me energy work. So that was what led me down the path of learning energy work. And I did a two and a half year program to be trained in that. And I use 
it daily in some way. I mean, it just changed how I approached life. So here's this one dream, you know, with this ancestor that, and again, I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you if this person in the dream was blood ancestor or more of the lineage of energy workers, healers, psychic type people, you know, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but you know, I, I had long felt like I belonged to some kind of lineage in that way, but couldn't articulate it. Couldn't. And you know, how many people can you share that with? (laughs) You know, you can't, I have found more and more people in my life that I can share that with, but most people, if you tell them something like that, are going to roll their eyes at you or, you know, just think you're an odd duck. And I am an odd duck, but, you know, I, I really came to see that these experiences that I'd had since I was a kid were real, were, could be, could be worked with, could be, uh, you know, honed it could be used for for good you know I didn't need to be scared of it that kind of thing so yeah you mentioned how did being connected to a particular land affect dreaming Do you have a story about that before I launch into that? Because I can tell you some things. Yeah. I mean, I can, I want to hear what your story around it. I, as we've been talking, it made me realize um, many years ago when I first started getting into Druidry, I was a part of a program and I began to dream about trees and um, we were, um, in Maine on the land there. And, um, it was by a river, a river and, uh, the location was where a particular, um, tribe lived. And I'm sorry to say that I can't remember what tribe it is. I know that, that there are Passamaquoddy and, um, Penobscot, and I don't remember which one, but I, I remember one night having a dream where a huge birch tree, um, I was looking for an essence. I, have I told you this one? I was looking for an essence uh, from a birch tree for my sister for healing. And uh-huh. I saw this big birch tree and I, my sister went up to the house to see if we could you know, take some of the tree for an essence. And I went up to the tree to talk to the tree and the tree told me that it held the history of the land for centuries and centuries, that it was a part of a larger community. And that if I took the time, if we all took the time to sit with the trees, we would learn about life. And, um, and it gave me the essence to, um, to work with my sister Um, But it was clear. I mean, the tree was talking to me, telling me about community and about history. And um, I don't remember everything it said, but it was not long after that where I had a um, for my 60th birthday that I decided to have a birch tree tattooed on my back. Um, And it has three tree trunks that come up. But this tree was even huger than that. I mean, it was like a really old, huge birch tree and it was amazing um and I really feel like sleeping on that land by that river I kept having dreams about trees and being told that I have that somehow working with trees would be really important like I was going to be enlightened by trees or and and I have to admit I I have a lot of staves in my apartment and um I often have spent a lot of time with trees. I have essences. I have, I'm actually doing wand work right now with several different kinds of trees from all over the country and even from the UK. So I, it's trees and stones for me. So 
yeah, that was a pretty powerful dream. And it's stay, it's has stayed with me and um, guides me in my work with trees. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> well, I just, I, I was nodding because yes, it, it, I did recall that that was the tree that you got the tattoo. And I also remember when I was doing the Druid classes briefly for a time, you brought birch sap to share yeah. it for everybody, right? So like, yeah, yeah. 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 I, that's, wow. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's really, yeah. whew, uh, yeah. I got chills listening to it. Um, well, my intention when I traveled to Europe was to connect with those lands of my ancestors and see if I would get any guidance, if it would affect my dreams, if I would have any information coming to me. So I was, I had a real, a really strong intention and definitely I got dreams. So, you know, one dream at the beginning of my journey, when I was in England, basically the dream told me that I needed to go off of my itinerary. I had this meticulously planned laid out itinerary with all of my tickets purchased already. And so many people in my life told me, oh, Katrina, you're going to get over there. You're going to meet people. You're not going to want to go to all these places that you have pre-planned because you're going to want to like hang out with these new friends that you make. And I was like, I'm not going to make any friends. Like no one's going to talk to me. I'm not going to make any friends. I need to have everything planned out. So, cause I was alone. I was traveling alone for six months. So that just felt like so daunting and I am very type A and I need to have a plan to feel good. So anyway, the dream told me to go off my itinerary. I worked the dream with some of my friends back in the States and I said, okay, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> and uh, the next place I went was Norway when I had that experience of feeling like I was coming home and I stayed with this man from Sweden who is like, he just, he looks like an elf or a hobbit. Like he has this wild white hair and I mean, I don't know. I just feel like something about the land where I stayed with him and the interactions I had with him, the people I met, it's almost like I had stepped into a different realm, a different some, something. It was like I got to, I don't know, step through some kind of portal or something, a veil. I don't know. But I bring that up because I stayed there for six weeks. I only planned to stay there for three. So I did break my itinerary once I got there and I didn't go to Sweden. I stayed in Norway and this uh, host ended up taking us one time to an area where the Sami had traditionally been the indigenous people of Norway. Sweden and Finland, and I was able to see some of their art. I was able to see uh, a drum that had been painted by uh, Nawadi, which is a shaman, essentially, of, of the Sami. And my host brought someone in who was actually from the US, but had been living in Sweden for a long time and had done a lot of different work and alternative practices. And she was doing journey work with us. I did a journey that was very powerful. I met a tiger. I, the tiger like in my journey ripped out my heart and gave me a new one, which, I needed at the time because I was going through a divorce and I was in so much upheaval. It was the happiest that I had been in so long, but it was also very tender. Like 
grief was hitting me like out of left field. I was standing and I was cleaning one of the rooms one day and I heard a song and it just blindsided me. Like this was kind of where I was at the time. And there was one morning where I could not sleep very much. And this was also at the time of the midnight sun. So like you only really got three hours of darkness anyway. And darkness is very uh, loose. (laughs) Like it didn't get that dark. So I was awake at 4 a.m. And I could not go back to sleep. So I went out to the woods and the woods there was very interesting space because in Norway and some places they do grow forests just to cut them down. And so there was a section of the forest that was, you know, younger trees. I mean, they were definitely like full grown size, but they were younger. And then there was a whole clear cut area. And the clear cut area had grown back enough that there were blueberry bushes and other like native plants, but all the trees were cut down. And I, that was just the path that I ended up on. And I walked on this path through the clear cut and just was like, wow, just like this land, I'm going through a rebirth. I have been cut down (laughs) and I look at what can happen. It it can come back. And I got to the edge of the clear cut and I was going back into the forest and I started to sense like forest spirits around me. My brain kind of context, like my brain wanted to see them as like gnomes and maybe that like, but like not gnomes like Lord of the Rings under the mountain kind of gnomes, but like Norwegian, Swedish gnomes with the pointy hat. <laughs> so yep. like, but yep. forest spirits, I was seeing them. Right. And then all of a sudden I felt my chest expand like much bigger size than my actual body. And it was like, I could feel all of the forest in my heart. And there wow. was just this direct connection I I mean talk about like spontaneously just sobbing like there was no thought (laughs) it was just like whoa and so even though those the the journey experience and that experience like kind of transpersonal experience I had in the forest are not sleeping dreams like they're still in the realm of dream time, right? Right, and right, right. I've, I've only one other time had such an experience of such connection with the land. And, you know, I think the message that I was getting from, from the place was like, you're, you are held, you're not alone. Like, and, and kind of like, you can remember this experience from here on out as an example of how you are not alone. And I have, I have used that, you know, like it was so profound. Yeah. Um, And I, I still don't know if my ancestors from Norway ever lived there, but there was a strong Sami presence nearby. Like, before not not at that particular time I think you know they have they have been shoved off of many of their traditional lands at this point right yeah so I've always been curious if I do have you know Sami ancestry and the dream where the line started at the very tippy top is where one line of Sami lineage starts so you know, it's just conjecture, but potentially I do. And to have that kind of a experience in the forest was really, I mean, it's like, that was my ancestral land, even though I have no logical piece of paper that says it was, you know? Yeah. 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 So that's, that's that. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's wow. that experience that's very, I had. That's that's really cool. Uh, it's yeah. like, and I and I love what you're saying about the fact that you know that is a dreaming time. You know that yeah. it isn't just when we when our body falls into sleep. And, you know, we're in another state, but it, uh, other states of dreaming can be alterations in our consciousness. And we, when that happens, we're open to the connection with amazing other aspects of life and the universe. I think that's yeah, right. yeah, and I I didn't think about this before, but I think that being there during the longest days mm. actually did shift my consciousness a bit because you know we were staying up until one o'clock in the morning and the light was still there, and that's what a number of people who live there will do. Like they just they do stay up because it is this time where you can still enjoy being outside and having light and it just goes on and on and on and you don't have to worry about getting back into the house because it's dark now so I think it just being there felt altered you know right and of I mean, course you... travel travel is alteration too right yeah. like it was right. a lot yeah. of a lot exactly. of things at once <laughs> yeah I mean what you make me think is we should do another podcast around the the dreaming time as it relates to the seasons, you know, and the mm. day, the light, the darkness, because yeah. that definitely affects our dreams. Um, yeah. Yep. In many ways. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, story. Mm-hmm. You know, I like what you said about going to your grove. I mean, that's something that that druids do talk about. That's a practice, yeah. you know, that druids have. Yeah. And I think I was doing it before I even really identified that yeah. way. But I just was thinking, you know, we, we like to have a practice for people. I don't know if you had already thought of one. No, but I, I just no. had the idea. Okay. To... <clears throat> The idea of the grove is that it is a place you can think about it as being in your mind, or you can think about it as being just out there, you know, it doesn't have to be like in your mind. And so, and it's a place you can go for reflection, connection, whatever it is that you need. So my idea is if anyone listening to this is feeling like, well, I want to be connected to the land of my ancestors. There's nothing saying that you couldn't go there. So, and I'm talking about in dream time or non-dual consciousness or what, you know, like go there during meditation or, and so you may already know what that land looks like, but you could also prep yourself by doing some research and looking it up and looking at pictures online of what a forest there looks like, what the beach there looks like, whatever it is. And then however you travel, It might be that you know how to journey. It might be that you just imagine yourself there. It doesn't really matter. In my opinion, it doesn't matter. But you can place yourself there. You might even enjoy printing out a picture and looking at the picture and just seeing what comes to you. It doesn't even have to be in a meditative state. There's lots of ways to do it. But you could still connect with that land and see what that does for you what shifts happen what information you get and this would be an excellent time of year to do that practice so there you are I just came up with that spontaneously in this moment but it makes me feel like for me since I'm in a moment of 
huge transitions and grief and struggle that, you know, maybe I will print out a picture of that forest and have it with me for now. So, and visit it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's a great, that's a great exercise to do. Great. <laughs> and to create that practice. Um, I'm also, I'm also reminded of what you said early, earlier in the podcast that I think needs to be, we need to be reminded of is when we are making the decision to dream with intention to connect, to connect with ancestors, to be really even more intentional about it, because we, you don't know what ancestors are going to pop up. And, you know, depending on what's happened in your lineage or in the land that you're living on or um, some kind of situation from the past, um, you don't know what you're going to get if you're not more specific. Could you speak to briefly like what you were taught around um, dreaming with intentions to ancestors? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I learned this from Kimmy Johnson, who was teaching ancestral consciousness at JFK. Um, her recommendation was to have the intention that you were going to connect with the ancestors who had your highest good in mind, good. that you could work with the more wounded, troubled ancestors, should you choose, but probably that's not where you wanted to start when you started doing ancestral work. And when you start doing ancestral work, the ancestors get really excited because not everybody does it and so they're like I've been waiting for the person to do it and they then they all want your attention so also you want to set and and like say it out loud or write it down like tonight when I dream I'll remember my dreams and I will connect with the ancestors have my highest good in mind or whatever other phrasing makes sense to you and to say you know anyone else thank you but right now is not the time um and I will you know reach out to you if and when I'm ready you know so it's like you're not trying to ignore them you're acknowledging them you can even like share gratitude for them, but you want to let them know that now is now is not the time. <clears throat> and if you are opening a circle, or if you're having a ritual where you're inviting the ancestors to be present, same thing. You can ask for the ancestors who are there for your, you know, highest good to be present. And then when you are done with the ritual or the meditation, you can thank them and ask them to leave because you don't want them just hanging around indefinitely. There was someone in my class who talked about once she started working with ancestors, especially with dreams, she was not sleeping well anymore because she was getting so many dreams from the ancestors that it was overwhelming and troubling some of the dreams and it, it became too much. And so once she established better boundaries around it, then that got better. So, you know, and if you're someone who has that kind of a connection where you might see spirits or uh, hear them or whatever, like you want to, not have to be dealing with that all the time so yeah that's that's what I've learned about having good boundaries and you know always coming at it with gratitude even if some of these ancestors were not very nice people <laughs> you know or did some really troubling things uh you know you can still say thank you for 
because you're here because of them. That's how I look at it. It's not like, thank you for doing those horrible things. No, it's not about that. It's just like, thank you because I am here because of you. You know, none of us would be here if our ancestors had not lived. So, you know, uh, on that level, um, having gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think that it's important that folks have a sense of dreaming with intention around this. And I think that was really helpful. Do you have anything else to add about that? No, no. Yeah. I think that's really great what you shared. Um, Yeah. And I really like the practice. So, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm excited to do it myself. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like we're at the end here because we we do is there anything more you wanted to say about ancestor gene before we come to a close no i mean it's just a topic that could be endlessly discussed i think and the more you do it the more energy it gets and yeah i mean it's it's a light it can be a lifelong practice once you start it yeah Um, i agree so, and you know, if you've never made an altar before, now is a great time to do that. Put, put pictures yep. of ancestors on the altar and have some, whatever items feel good to you and say hello to them every morning, yep. you know, see, and just see what happens from doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've. Yeah, clearly we have a lot to say because I think we've talked for almost an hour. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So, yeah, Yeah. maybe we'll do another one soon. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks. I and and if you last do this podcast, why listening to it? There's a lot (laughs) of stuff to learn, and I appreciate everyone that that does um, listen to it. And it was really good to be with you, Katrina, to share this this topic and our own personal experiences so yeah cool thank you yeah thank you mary Kay. all right everyone listening yeah have a great holiday everyone halloween or Samhain or whatever you practice Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm sure we will be sharing more of our experiences and dreams in the future Yes. Good night and sweet dreams.